Welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. This week, we travel to Ukraine. Hello and welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Matt. And I'm Monty. And this is the podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. Each week we take you through a different country's national final and pick the song we think deserves a second chance. A second bite of the cherry. And at the end of the series, you, the listeners, you vote for your favourites and at our live event, we crown the winner of the Second Cherry Song Contest. Hi, Monty. Prove it. Yeah, good, mate. Uh, Is that... No, how are you? Is that you? Yeah, hello. Oh. Hi, in Ukrainian. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. hey. <laughs> I have to be careful not to stray into Russian. Mm. Definitely don't want to be speaking Russian when we're talking about Ukraine. <laughs> yes, it's a big one, obviously, this week. Um, for obvious reasons, it's uh, we're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna do a good one. We think yeah, good episode, I mean the winners of twenty twenty two and mm. the hosts away from home mm-hmm. of the twenty twenty three contest. Obviously, we know BBC hosted on behalf of the Ukrainian broadcaster, but it was the Ukrainian contest, but in Liverpool, it was. And did you, have, you know, looking back, we can we can delve into this a bit later, but we. Looking back, do you think the UK did Ukraine proud? Maybe we're probably not the right people to ask, but do you, what do you think? I think so, actually. I think mm. Ukrainian culture was definitely front and centre in the bits that the BBC had any influence over. Obviously, a lot of the contest is very structured. You know exactly what's going to go where. and There are preset formats, but in the, the rest of it, bringing in Ukrainian artists, getting Ukrainian artists to sing the Liverpool songbook, I th- there was a real kind of like blend of cultures. And certainly in the city, I felt, you know, you couldn't escape the fact that it was, you know, Ukraine hosting. I loved it. I think they did, a f- on the whole, a fairly decent job. Yeah. You know, we did the interview um, with the people that, the Ukrainian people at the Eurovision village who maybe mm. felt like a little bit put to one side, but I think that's more logistics rather than not wanting to show the Ukrainian culture. Yes. It's just a shame Yeah, that that was the case, I think. Yeah, yeah. But apart from that, I heard no other mutterings. It felt quite... It felt very Ukrainian, at least, on the ground. Yeah, very much so. And all the better for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a really unique thing to try and pull off, really, because, you know, winning the contest, obviously a lot of countries really want to show off their their national flavour. I mean, I remember back, you know, when everything was virtually a travelogue and a, you know, an advert for coming to the country. (laughs) Um, You know, those days have gone, but it's still a... A proud moment for a host nation. So, you know, you can understand why Ukraine wanted it so much, but obviously we know the, the, the difficulties. I mean, we just have to look at where this year's Ukrainian national final was held for a reminder of the difficulties. Let's get into it then. So, the Ukrainian national final, the Vidbir, the selection, was held actually in 2022. It was the first national final to be held, 17th of December 2022. And it was in the Maidan Desolations, the Mitro station in Kyiv. Actually underground, on the platforms, in the metro station. I mean, what resourcefulness. It's essentially a bunker. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. Hosted by Timur Miroshenchenko, 
Katerina Pavlienka of GoA and Zlata Agnievich, a former Ukrainian entry at Eurovision. And Timber, of course, was uh, one of the co-hosts in 2017 after they last hosted and popped up in various places throughout the BBC's programming for Eurovision. Yeah. Very popular presenter. Yeah. Um, it was a single televised show, but there were three stages um, all in all. There was a submission and shortlisting stages where 384 submissions were shortlisted to 36 shortlisted entries by uh, Dmitry Shurov, who'd been appointed the music producer of the competition. Those 36 shortlisted entries were invited to audition and then the 10 appeared in the televised show. The winner was selected by 50-50 combination of votes from a public vote and the jury. And interestingly, there was also a public vote to appoint the jury this year. Oh, I missed that, was there? Yeah. So all Ukrainians were able to vote for a period of time from the end of October to 7th of November. And various candidates uh, popped up, quite a lot of whom you'd recognise from Eurovision. Jamala, Katarina Pavlenka, who we just mentioned. Kustyantin, uh, who was a creative producer and staged the Ukrainian entries in uh, several years. Tina Carroll, who we know from Euro- uh, Ukraine 2006 and who appeared in the opening act this year as well. Um, Yulia Sanina, a member of the Hard Kiss, who was one of the presenters this year. Zlata Agnevich and others all were vying to be the three jury members. So a public vote uh, happened and the three that were selected were Taras Dapolia, who is a member of a group called Antilia, Yulia Sanina, who we know, and also yeah, Jamala. I mean, you mm. can't have a kind of a jury without Jamala, can you? So they were the three that um, that popped up. It being Ukraine, there were of course some rules around uh, Russia and the artists who took part could not have performed an event organised by or located in the territory of what was called the aggressor state, which of course that's how you, uh, Ukraine refer to Russia at the moment, or who had illegally entered the territory of Crimea since 2014. Um, and also songs performed in the language of the aggressor state were also prohibited. So... Understandable. Understandable, absolutely. But elements of the impact of the war coming into the rules of the selection process, but also, as we'll see, elements of the impact of the war coming into the songs, very much so. I think just a word on the national final. I think if we were to give out awards for different things at Second Cherry, I think the best national final this year would go to Vidbir and Ukraine because... Not only was it quite a high standard, maybe not song quality as high standard as like the big, big national finals in Western Europe necessarily, but the fact that they pulled this off, the fact that they did a national final that didn't feel like it was tacked together with super glue, it was a bloody professional setup. It looked amazing on screen and you could hear the trains trundling by. Yeah. You know, obviously that station or that, that the branch of that station was, um, was, was closed for this, yeah. but it was really, really impressive. The impact as well on the content of the show. Obviously it was all about the war and the VTs, the intros to each song was them sort of telling their personal stories of war, um, and their relationship with what's going on. I thought that was quite important. 
There was one point, this is paraphrasing, this isn't uh, verbatim, but at one point they said, we're 90 metres underground on generators and we're singing. And you just think that is, for me, probably the quote of the national, no, quote of the Eurovision season. For me. It's the resistance, isn't it? Mm. You know, the defiant resistance that you've just got to admire. And that resistance, of course, came through into the eventual winner of the Vidbeer, um, and um, which was inspired, Heart of Steel was inspired by the resistance in the Azovstal uh, steel plant. So let's have a little listen to it. Because no matter how bad someone's listening, Torch you there with Heart of Steel. Uh, automatically qualified because they were last year's winners. Um, they came sixth in the final with 243 points. That feels like a good result to me. Yes. I think, you know, we knew that the, uh, the, the supportive vote behind them was probably dwindling. Not of, not any reflection on how people felt about Ukraine, of course. Just the height, it was, uh, not quite in the minds. And now people were judging what they were seeing on screen from a musical perspective. And I think, yeah, I think they'd be pleased with that because it was a decent song, staged well. It's a they? great song. Yeah. 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 I think that the the inevitability of 2022 just wasn't there this year. There was no... You felt, you know, Ukraine were in the running and yes, they could win, but it didn't feel as though this was like, well, it's obviously Ukraine's going to win. It felt like this was about you know, other songs this year and that kind of, that inevitability didn't feel um, as though it was there. And I think, you know, rightly so as well. Did the right song win? Ooh. (laughs) It's a hard one because the selection is so diverse and different. Uh, If I was to judge it on music alone, then yes. Because when I watched this live, in my head, I was thinking, this is probably the best song. So probably, yeah. But for the best result at Eurovision, maybe there's other songs that tugged on the heartstrings would have been staged differently and therefore might have actually kept up that supportive vote. Maybe. No, I I think that's the right one. It's a hard question, Mm. I think, as well. And I think we'll see why when we delve into the diversity of some of these songs... Um, it would be very interesting to see how some of these fared on the Eurovision stage. But I do think that Torchy's song was a good song and staged very well, as is apparent in that sixth place result. So let's take a dive into the Vidbir. We'll kick off then song number one by the Oi Sound System with Oi Tushu.
Monty Electronica coming through from Ukraine. We get a lot of that from Ukrainians. Um, thoughts? Yeah. Now you mentioned the postcards. Actually, I think the postcard of this. They were talking about how their music is experimental. Yeah. Um. My goodness, is this experimental? There are traditional elements. There is that kind of industrial electro, kind of that grungy, crunchy sound um, in there. And the lead singer, wow, she's intense. She's got this slicked back hair and she just looks stunning. This wet look, dark eye makeup, and just another something which is absolutely out there. There's sort of, there's incredible vocals, there's noise, there's a kind of a cacophony of sound um, behind her. But you kind of can't take your eyes off it as well. This is really engaging. It means, I presume it's all the longing in it. She's talking about anguish. The pain has infiltrated my soul. Enemies chains like poison. And I mean, the impact of the war on people's souls and well-being is just there. Absolutely there. The devastation and the the anguish is, I mean, you can't escape it in this song. It's so, so powerful. I don't necessarily think it's a competitive song. It's not the thing that's going to bring in votes, you know, if you plunk, plunk this on the Eurovision stage. But I love that that this kind of thing gets into the competition, gets a platform. It's so different to what we're used to hearing. It's so bold and it's just so emotive. I kind of love it. I think the range of songs that we have in this national final tell the story. It's all different emotions for different reasons, all centered around the war and Ukrainian culture. And so this is just one sort of facet of that, of this national final. And I think I just, I love it. I genuinely love it. It's, it's dramatic. It's dark. It's strong, actually. It's what, <laughs> not to bring it all down, but I imagine it's sort of like a dingy little gay bar in Eastern Europe might be like, you know, sort of that kind of vibe that the sort of music they'll play if one's sort of like just doing their thing. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I like the whole thing they brought on stage here. It was definitely, when I first watched this, I was like, this is definitely for cherry consideration. We have to talk about this. It's a proper, what I would call a raver song. So, you know, you want to neck your rum and coke and then run to the dance floor and just, you know, be a bit grimy, dirty and just feel the music. Really was feeling this song. It's a song that could only be Ukraine national final, I think. I don't think you'd get a song like this in any other national selection. I love it. No messing about. Really, really strong. Kick us off. Song two is by Jerry Heil and it's called When God Shut the Door. So Jerry is known to us mm. uh, in Vidbeer. Um, she had her song in 2020 called Vegan. She did, which in her VT, she was asked about this song because these are, let's be honest, two very different songs. She described her previous entry as infantile. And you can see with this performance, 
it's very much a grown woman telling her story no silliness no fun and ridiculous you know she's very very serious which is yeah very different from vegan she's wearing this slavic type headdress with headphones like incorporated in it um and her backing dancers and the backing vocalists they're all sort of moving stone statues uh very feminine slightly incongruous with the oversized knitted jumper that jerry's wearing uh it didn't fit with the sort of religious thematics really but that's what i like about it it's kind of crunchy listening to this with my uk 90s 2000s head on it reminds me of that two-step garage that was huge it's kind of got that sound to it and she's got she's bringing lyrics uh, again so again thinking about the different sort of way of tackling more this is more vulnerable so the lyrics say sunrise brought another reality woke up with a different mentality i hear music must be the violins prelude to the symphony of violence detuned awful minor chord they use instead the bows the sword pulled the doorknob my door locked why are you closing the door lord it's really vulnerable it's asking dodd why have you turned away from us and brought war to our to our door it's harrowing actually yeah i mean like i kind of sense a bit of optimism in there as well though um it's almost kind of like a plea to god um um and i think that that sense of you know in the lyrics is when god shuts the door he opens one more so feels as though you know something's being closed something's being shut out the you know the the, the love the optimism that's there um it, the war is shutting that out but almost with that sense of, you know, something else will be opened, you know, um, and I quite like that. You're absolutely right. I mean, the, the, the difference between this and vegan is is vast, um, you know, and it will be interesting to see how much that is personal growth of the artist over a period of time and how much the social circumstances in her country have influenced that as well. I mean, I quite liked vegan. It was silly. I yeah. mean, it had like, had really clever lyrics. I mean, it had the lyrics, I'm vegan, I can't even call you honey, even when we're having beef. <laughs> so it's a really nice play on words. For, which actually, for someone who's not, obviously, a mother tongue English speaker, that works brilliantly in English clever. language. Yeah. It's really clever. The imagery here is just gorgeous. I mean, that, that Vinok on her head is just... It almost looks divine yeah. at, at times. It's, it's really, really lovely. Musically, it has got this kind of like slightly drum and bassy feel. There's a bit of kind of like new jazz, a bit of rap in it. Um, and there's a bit of folk singing in the middle of it, which just really brings it to a different level. And there's a bit of kind of wintry image in there as well. I just think it's a really lovely interesting package it's absolutely ukrainian but it's absolutely a message you can completely get song number three is dovbush by finka
So Finke singing a song called Dove Bush. Uh, have you delved into many bushes lately, Matt? <laughs> Or ever. <laughs> <laughs> what is Dove Bush? Well, actually, Dove Bush is a person. Mm. Alexa Dove Bush was the best known Aprushok, um, a leader of the peasants' insurgent movement against the Polish, Moldavian, Hungarian, and Austrian political elite in Ukraine, who lived in the first half of the 18th century in the Hutzel land of Pukutia. Um, in folklore, um, Alexa Dovbush is very popular and often portrayed with a hatchet, which he used to support himself walking due to his injured leg. A famous Ukrainian outlaw who became a folk hero, he's often compared to Robin Hood. Oh. Mm. So this is a, a character. And... This is absolutely Hutzel. Now, we know of the Hutzel culture and all the sort of, you know, the culture from the Carpathian Mountains from Ukraine's first winner, Ruslana, who brought a lot of Hutzel references into her song while dancing. There's a lot of folk in here. Oh, my God. It's fusing so many stars. There's folk. It's a bit of hip hop. It's a bit of kind of like Tobo. There's so much energy going on here. And um, what um, Finca is doing is using the story of Dove Bush as this kind of sort of, you know, um, hero figure of somebody that um, she wants to to have in her life. So, you know, she's, she, it's got that kind of folk feel to it. Oh, there, there through the green woods goes young Dove Bush. Um, and I need a Dove Bush because I, I have a Hutzel soul. So let's do nicely with your hands. A clap, clap, clap. Every young girl needs a lad. Let's do nicely with your legs a stomp 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 and here in our Carpathians every lad's like an oak <laughs> it's so great there was also a bit of a lick where she says oh girls I'm done I'm literally dying <laughs> it's so much fun yeah there's so much going on here it's a really bright presentation there's all these kind of like sort of like neon images of Dove Bush himself yeah but it's it's, it's, it's interesting sort of uh, cartoony imagery they've kind of it's very simple LED sort of setup, and um, at one point they sort of like there's a Superman character as well. So it's it's really pushing like this. We want this hero coming home to us for us. Yeah, it's really kind of drawing on this sort of this sense of national history. Yeah, and you know wanting to to keep that alive. And I just love that in Ukrainian music. You know, we don't really have. Um, that sense of English folk music that's still there in contemporary music today. And this is just, you know, plucking it and keeping it alive. Just mm. lovely. The performance itself, though, she moves around the stage with her two gals, you know, it's the two of them, there was two of them. Um, and they sort of, you know, just they match her vibe and they're kind of all sort of delivering this message as one sort of voice. Good use of that stage, as I said, moving around. Um, I think this would have had a brilliant, massive glow up on stage if it went to Eurovision. It, they could have done a lot with it. Uh, a, a bit like Russian Women from Manisha. Oh, wow. In yes. It has a similar, I know that's Russian Women, but you know, it's, it has a similar vibe where you can do bright and colourful and have a message and it just have that poignant undertone to it. I and yeah, there's a lot. I, I I was like swimming in creativity when I was watching this thing and oh you could do so much of this. People were calling this disaster pop. Which I was a bit like, um okay. Uh but I think it's more 
we need a hero or we are the hero or this is the type of hero that we want. And again, it's another type of different type of story surrounding the war. I can see a line from Russian woman to this culturally, you know, not politically. Let's get the politics no, course, and yeah. the, the war out of the way. Culturally, I can absolutely see there's a there's a link there. It's a really, it's quite a nice comparison. Like you, I would have loved to have seen this glowed up for the Eurovision stage. I think this could have been such a fun um, entry. I don't know if people would have as readily associated and found something to connect with yeah. in here as much as they could with Torchy, which is a very easy song to connect with. Um, but I like the kind of challenge of this. It's chaotic. In a great way. Yeah. So the next song is called Kaleskova by Krut. So Krut is another artist that we have seen in Vidbeer. Uh, she had a song in 2020, uh, the year that was eventually cancelled, um, called 99. Mm-hmm. And there are echoes of that here. She's still playing the same bandura, mm-hmm. the stringed instrument. Matt, what do you think of this? Oh, I love it. It's very much, she, she's doing her, she's doing her thing. It's similar to her last um, attempt in Vidbeer. And I'm okay with that because she does this so, so well. She describes this as indie soul, the bandura sound. At one point, this young boy comes on stage and plays the bandura. Oh God, and I think they swap it. She gives it to him or something like that. And it's obviously you can't do that at Eurovision, but it was a really nice moment. Well, then it allowed her to then be free and walk around. And that makes sense because it's a mother's lullaby to her son to calm them, essentially as the war rages around them it's very gothic and visual and sound so it's dark but it's quite light at the same time it's got a light touch to it the bandura itself is quite a light beautiful sound um so real contrast and conflict there it's quite repetitive if i let's put my eurovision hat on you know it's quite repetitive and it meanders a little bit so it needs a little bit more especially at the end if you're talking about a competitive song but i this is where i turned to you when we were watching this monty and said it's so hard to pass judgment on what we're seeing on these songs because it is so truthful and so part of her own story. How can you judge this? But judging is what we're here to do on the podcast, with, to, to give a critique of a song. But I, I agree, it is difficult. It's so personal and so... But it's, it's personal, but it's also kind of like personal to the nation as well, I think, in what they're going through. That beautiful lullaby, and as you say, it is that kind of lullaby where she's describing the situation of a mother trying to put her, her, her child to sleep as the 
predators are kind of stalking the country. You know, I mean, the, the words are beautiful and so sad and poignant. You know, uh, Luli, Luli, my son, the beasts are in a fierce battle. The night will come and pass. Daddy will chase away the beasts. And as you sleep, I will paint your dreams. Sleep, sleep, sleep. Dad God's the steps. Oh, wow. And it's, oh my God, I'm just like, I'm, that's really, I'm feeling that quite viscerally as I say it. The imagery where she, you know, the, the child comes on to the stage and she hands um, the bandura over. She's literally passing the music down to the next generation. Oh, wow. I mean, that's just astonishing to watch. And all the while, this like lilting tune and music and voice, but it's imbued with kind of anxiety and, you know, fear. And, you know, she's trying to do her best to soothe her child. Oh, wow. It's so, so powerful. Beautiful song there from Crude. Song number five then is Temba Blanche with Ya Dvoma. Monty, a complete change of pace here. Thoughts? Isn't it just? Yeah, Doma, I'm home. Um, and there's something so homely about this. It's kind of almost got a little 70s feel. There's a bit of kind of, you know, the staging where they're sort of stood opposite each other with a mic standing to the little bit kind of common limits, but in a totally different setting. Um, and oh my God, the melody here is just lovely. It's really soothing. Um, it's kind of a modern love song and talking of like the homely comforts and the familiarity that gives you strength and gives you courage and gives you optimism and hope. Um, and it makes her feel safe. You know, she's saying, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to close my eyes and think of what awaits us next. It's just, it's beautiful. And oh my God, a lovely, lovely, sweet voice. There's a beautiful tune here. It just kind of washes over you. It's a complete contrast to some of the other songs that we've heard before it. But wow, it's just quietly soothing and comforting and calming with huge, huge help in its heart. Yeah. When you hear this song and just watch it without knowing the lyrics or anything like that, the content of the song, it feels, you know, nice little ditty. And then, and so what I love about songs is when you dig, you scratch the surface, you only need to scratch the surface and just dig a little bit deeper and you see it all comes flooding to you exactly where this song is coming from. Now, this is my interpretation, but it's, for me, it's very clear that it's about someone coming back home after, after the war has ended, almost, or not, but it's definitely someone coming back home and then recollecting the space that they're standing in and the memories attached to that space and this reflective sort of uh, lament in a way, but like in a positive way. It's not very melancholy, but it's just, it's beautiful. And it does talk about the streets as I, as I remember them and it talks about lamps. And I just think it's, 
I'm, I'm, I've got a painting in my head, you know, you picture, you're telling me the story. Um, I don't even speak Ukrainian, you know, just the translation alone is telling me the story. It is, it is a very meandering, meandering ditty on the surface of it. It is. Um, but it is offering this national final something a little bit different from everything that come before it. I do love her voice. It's, it's sort of quite sad and gorgeous in equal measure. It's, it's soft, but not weak. She's sort of standing, it's like her and a troubadour, and she sings it note perfect, and it's most welcome in this national final. So five songs there, which one of those is going to be the Ukrainian cherry for 2023? You'll find out after this. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. So this is the segment of the show where we talk about the things that this week made us feel quite, well, warm and fuzzy. And to combat some of the rubbish and negative shit that you see online, uh, we want to feel the warm and fuzzy. So Monty, what have you got for us this week that's going to make us feel great? Yeah, so I mean, this isn't something that's happened this week. Certainly by the time you hear this, this will have been something which has already happened. Um, but because we're talking about Ukraine and because we were in Liverpool, I just want to reflect on the fact that Liverpool Pride played host to Kiev Pride this year. And I just think that's a really lovely extension of hosting Eurovision. I saw something on TV saying, you know, obviously Eurovision can't be political certainly can't be a big P political um, but actually pride can be yeah. so this was a way of bringing politics into the relationship between the two cities and the two countries and I just thought that was lovely I have not been to Kiev Pride I would absolutely love to go I have though met some of the people who in 2017 were organising Kiev Pride when I was there um, two months ahead of Eurovision and I just was like absolutely bowled over by the optimism and the energy and the enthusiasm of, of people. It was only the year before that that the march had been policed in favour of the LGBTQ plus people and their supporters who were taking part. Previously, the police had tended to back those who were trying to oppose the march. But for this year, for that year, the first time being policed in favour of the demonstrators. And I know that it's very difficult. They can't have a very big march. Um, sometimes they have to, the police kind of hold everybody back while they are taken onto the metro and they're taken to somewhere where they can disperse. They have to hide all of their kind of flags and their, you know, and everything. And then they have to make their own way back into the city, almost incognito because it's not safe necessarily for them to to be showing that visible side of identity. But it felt like things were moving forward. And then, of course, the war comes along and just changes everything. So the fact that such a demonstration, such a protest, such a celebration can't be held at the moment in Ukraine, I just think it's absolutely lovely that Liverpool stepped up to the plate and not only gave Kiev Pride a home, but gave Kiev Pride a hugely important platform mm. in which to spread their message. Well done, Liverpool. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. 
So there we are. Now we're all feeling the warm and fuzzies, and oh, aren't we really, really? I'm, I'm super gay now after hearing about that. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I have, I'm filled with pride right I now. I mean, I've got news for you, Matt. I mean, you know, that has been the case for some time. <laughs> I know, I'm raging. Uber queer. <laughs> <laughs> but there is one more thing left for us to do, and that is to name our Ukrainian cherry this week. So, Monty, tell us. Who's going to be representing Ukraine on stage at the RVT in October for Ukraine? On screen, on, on screen. stage <laughs> at the RVT in October, but not actually bringing the artist over. It is Jerry Hile with When God Shut the Door. Yeah, I have. I'm. I'm really, really happy about this. And obviously, we could have gone in any direction because all the storytelling we saw, we could have put a case for all these songs. But I think with our Western ear, maybe this is the song that we think might have gathered more votes. Was a little bit more translatable for the wider ear. Maybe uh, just a beautiful song and and what a, what an absolute like maturity from Jerry from her, her last song. But still a unique and challenging song as yeah. well. So Jerry Hile with When God Shut the Door, Ukrainian Cherry for 2023. What do you think of our choice? And it was a unanimous choice in the team as well. It was. Yes. So tell us you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Second Cherry, Instagram at Second underscore Cherry, and Facebook Second Cherry Podcast. You can also email us. Hello. At secondcherry.vision. Hello. At secondcherry.vision. Do you see how low I went then? Like a proper Dovebush character. It still sounded camp. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dovebush could have been camp and hard at the same time. Okay, no, no. <laughs> That's not. <laughs> Where's your hatchet? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and your lame In my hand, thank you very much. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> Just. <laughs> Let's end the show, Monty. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.